0: hello and welcome again to the modern times podcast political profundity with john guzon and karen weill hello karen John and happy new year. Happy new year to everyone. Um, and today on political profundity, we're going to be talking, um, about the Iran precipice. Um, and then we're going to be moving on to the uh, impeachment deal that is still going on. Um, and lastly, we're just going to take a a little quick jaunt over some items of topical, uh, you know, current topical uh, information. Ricky Gervais at the uh, Golden Globes and maybe some other uh. Uh, items that we want to talk about. Um, As always, Karen, as I like to say, we jump in with both feet. So um, it's always better, especially when our knees get older. Um, But here we are on the precipice uh, with Iran. And I know it's kind of been stepped back. um, But there was, you know, the assassination of uh, General Soleimani. Um, There was, uh, you know, the bombing of the Aramco area um all these things that kind of progressed to um a a missile attack on uh, us interests and and coalition interests in iraq um which it really had everybody worried um you know what was your first take on it how uh, you know you know taking the pulse of 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 you and yours and and those you see and also the pulse of the country um it seemed like a pretty tense night
1: yeah for sure um I mean, my first observation with this whole, all of this broke, and I, look, I'm hardly an expert in Iran's <laughs> military or political leadership, but I have to say, John, and, and maybe you'd heard of this person, I've never heard of General Qassam, son of money. Um, And so, again, my first reaction, well, who is this guy again? Mm-hmm. Now, there's no doubt, based on the information that's come forward, that this was not a good person. He's responsible for the death of hundreds of people, including U.S. soldiers, uh, I'm sure more than a few Iranians themselves, um, and uh, people in other countries in the, uh, in the region. So nobodys it's like with the death of Saddam uh, or bin Laden or any major uh, you know, mass murderer. Nobody's going to mourn the death uh, of this guy. Um, that, that being said... It just it seemed like this had, there were more questions than answers from from even pundits who praised uh, the decision of the Trump administration to do this. The, you know, and I know that some who were really praising Trump were comparing it to the killing of bin Laden, but there's one major difference here. Bin Laden was a stateless actor. This is a guy, as we know, Saudi Arabia didn't want him. They threw him out years before he... Uh, you know, committed the horrendous act against this country. And of course he was also responsible for the death of, of Lord knows how many Muslims as well. Um, but so was a high ranking general within the Iranian military, you know, part of the government, part of the, civ- you know, the institution there mm-hmm. now. Right. So there's just, there are different sort of factors that go into that kind of action, obviously. Um, I, you know, I was I, Friday night after, you know, a few days after the news had broke that he was dead. I, I was getting some food at a local restaurant, and a young man who took my order and brought food. Now I, he had an accent, and I just happened to ask him because I was curious. Well, where are you from, if I may ask? He said, oh, well, I'm from Iran. And I, I, you know, you always are careful when you're talking to somebody who's from a country who's. Even though he's an American, he's here. But still, there's that connection, and it can be a very delicate one. I, I just said, well, I, you know, I know this has certainly been an interesting time for our countries. And now he said, you know, he called it. He said, you know, it was a good kill. Um, and again, I don't know what this person's politics are. He may be a Trump supporter. He may not. Doesn't matter. I just, uh, your first instinct, John, maybe not everyone's, is just to have suspicion when it comes, I'm sorry to say this, I really am, out of this administration as to why this was done now. You know, the Trump administration is saying, well, there was an imminent threat. What What was that? What was Iran threatening to do? Can you prove that? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Seriously, please do. Has have, have the Trump administration made clear what this imminent threat was?
0: Well, you know, I did mean, they make
1: it clear the night that they had this guy killed?
0: Yeah, well um, I mean, you know, that's one of the big things that's in uh, you know, discussion right now with what uh, the response was from from Rand Paul and and and, and Mike Lee uh yesterday yeah. about how they even thought that the briefing, you know, the classified briefing that they were receiving was not worth it and that they were told to not um, you know, deal with war powers um in the executive branch and You know, I mean, just kind of dealing with you can tell that there's those that follow Trump that said that it's fine and there was that imminent danger. But then there's, um, you know, even Republicans that are saying the briefing isn't there and maybe the justification isn't there. Obviously, they're not sharing what that is, but it's, it's 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 in debate even amongst Republicans at this point
1: not kid ourselves, neither Mike Lee nor Rand Paul are, shall we say, the most liberal senators no. in that body. And in exactly. general, they have given Trump everything he wants, mm-hmm. from Supreme Court judges to all kinds of other judges or all kinds of other proposals. So the fact that they are harshly coming out and saying none of this is being handled well by this administration, that's pretty bracing, in my opinion. That tells you something is very wrong here. With all of
0: this, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, you, and, know I, you know, and I think that I mean, you know, c- kind of what my take is, I, I you know, I, I, think that there was a lot of folks that I think were used to these kinds of, of 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 announcements, and and in the past they had been sort of justified when we're dealing with actual terrorists that aren't state sponsored. And, you know, that's the difference here. You know, uh, Soleimani might have been, and an, you know, a terrorist that basically operated that. He he held, he led the Kuds Force. Um, you know, they kind of did these kind of, you know, extra political actions. Um, but, you know, in the case of Osama bin Laden or uh, al-Baghdadi or some of these others, you kind of say, okay, you know, we get him in a drone strike. That's the way to do it. Um, you know, when 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 you know you have a major general of a nation um where it's state-sponsored terrorism not just these these wild cards out there it becomes a different thing and and you know we have to and i try to put you know the shoe on the other foot you know what if we had a major general in our army that was assassinated um you know how would we feel about it um and you know not necessarily i mean the same thing you know the guy obviously was you know doing what the the nation of Iran wanted him to do maybe he pushed it maybe whatever um but it's just a different set of circumstances that you have to live up to afterwards when you're not just going after an al-qaeda commander you're going after an Iranian general and and I I just think we kind of get numb to hey we just attacked another Muslim you know I mean I you know again I'm talking to you know Trump's base here um and, you know, this is a little bit different for that reason. You know, um, you don't have Al-Qaeda be able to get ballistic missiles to fire at you um, after you take them out. They're still stuck with the same things they were stuck with before, which are, you know, vests and car bombs. Um, it's just a totally different game. And I think that, you know, it, it, it doesn't really play um, differently to some people. They see it the same way. and it, But, you know, the ramifications are, are obviously different.
1: Right. I... You know, several other things. Of course, thoughts I have on this. Number one, Trump gave this speech yesterday, which, again, he when he thinks he's trying to sound, you know, presidential, quote unquote. Um, he often comes off as just extraordinarily flat and telegraphed, and, and, um, and, and very thirsty.
0: And, and Doesn't he seem thirsty a lot of times when he's um, making these? Like his you know, his we mouth glues about up. This
1: before. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but you just, you have to wonder just what's wrong with him. Uh, you know, we've had presidents give more legitimately elected and popular presidents than Trump's ever going to be, might I add, give speeches after these kind of terrible moments in our in our foreign policy or country's history. And, uh, you know, in, in fairness, I will say right after the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, George W. Bush, I think, he had that window of opportunity where he was proving himself to be a serious, sober person on this. Um, again, we all know what happened with his later decisions and how his presidency basically went down the toilet in its second term.
0: Or, you and, know, and hey, even the uh, Iraq I, evidence, though, too. Right. I mean, the Iraq evidence right, is kind of right. a black Correct.
1: mark. Well, right now, And here's another big difference, too. The sense – I think there was a sense on the part of maybe some of Trump's more political advisors, oh, this will give you more gravitas. This will help your approval ratings. Well, based on current polling, that's not working at all. And there's been – one of my main – excuse me, I'm sorry, everyone – arguments on this is when – whether you liked George W. Bush or not, in the beginning, in that period between 2001 and when the U.S. finally went into Iraq in 2003 – Bush had a certain amount of credibility. Now, not with everybody. There was already a lot of concerns raised when this administration started pushing the the war with Iraq. But again, enough people were willing to give that president the benefit of the doubt. Donald Trump, I'm sorry, has no credibility with anyone outside of his base. And I suspect deep down inside, John, a lot of them were not clamoring for any war with Iran either. And that's why you've seen these polls with Americans saying, if anything, Trump's decision has made this country less safe. And that's incredible when you think about it. And again, it's because you consider the source, somebody who most Americans don't like to begin with and don't trust. And when you don't have those elements there, you're not going to be able to pull something off the way Trump thought he could. I almost think to some degree it's why his administration backed down on any further escalation, even after Iran fired rockets, which I would argue was incredibly stupid of that country to do, but they did it mm-hmm. into a U.S. base. Yep. Because in a sense, Trump was probably told this is not helping you right now with voters. You're already in a lot of trouble. You need to stand down right now. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I mean, I you know I take no pleasure in saying this. When you have somebody in the Oval Office who most Americans just they don't believe a word he says. Um. That's a huge problem, and it, again, it's not only for if the fact if Iran really did, does try something else, and, and of course now we're dealing with. And I know I don't know how much we're going to discuss this. Of course, this plane, uh, this Ukrainian airliner that was shot down, and of course every person on it is dead. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Well, over Iranian airspace, there are a lot of you know allegations and rumors and questions that are swirling right now. The Trump administration is claiming that Iran is solely responsible for this. So, you know, and who knows what we're really going to find out on it. So this is just another terrible development that I think puts people further at unease. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, things have sort of calmed down right now between the U.S. and Iran. All well and good. We can only hope they stay that way. Um, But... Well, again, I I hate to go back to this, but just when you have a presidential administration that already is known for an incredible amount of dishonesty, you know, there's only so many boy-who-cried-wolf scenarios you can go through. (laughs) Um, And that's, again, that that doesn't do anyone any good. It certainly doesn't do American sense of their safety any good. It doesn't do our soldiers any good, those brave men and women who have just been redeployed over to the Middle East again. It, it doesn't do the Iranian civilians any good. Uh, the millions who, by the way, are very pro-American in general. One thing this thing, the killing of Soleimani, also did was suddenly make people who, in general, don't like that regime, out in the pro- streets protesting yeah. in favor of it. Yeah,
0: it so, made it made uh, the I, Iranians look sympathetic, which is which is not easy to do.
1: Precisely because, again, most of Iran's population is under forty or fifty years old. They're young. They like the United States. They like our culture, especially. I've, you know, meeting Persians here, most of whom are no fans of the mullahs, and I don't blame them for that. Uh, very pro-American. But I've talked to some in the past who've said, you know, if you folks invade Iran, that's when uh, you lose me. Leave us alone. Let us solve this on our own. We don't want your help. Okay. Sorry. And I, the only other thing I want to say, and I'll show you. Every time, and we've talked about this before, but when people I hear complain about the Iranian government, and I'll say to them, yeah, they're bad actors, but you might take a look at something that happened in 1953 in that country, Mm. and then you're going to understand things a little better.
0: Yeah, and, you know, there's um, you know, I think a a great misunderstanding of, of, I guess, Iran and and, and what they do. I I don't know whether people understand 53. I don't think they necessarily understand that that directly led to what uh is going on with the Iran deal. And, you know, we we have to understand that basically um Obama had somewhat um solved the issue of them getting a nuclear weapon at least for the next 25-30 years.
1: Good thing to bring up. And right.
0: um and the payment Um, that was made, Um, all this money that, you know, even Trump even threw out there yesterday was used to fund those missiles, um, was and is Iran's money. And there was no keeping it. It's not like we decided to give them money, right? I mean, we remember this, that it's what was seized when, um, Took the embassy and the the revolution happened in seventy nine, and something had to be done with the funds. Um, You know the U S can't hold them forever. It was you know they want to fly in the face of international law. It had to be given back to them at some point in time, and it was. Um, They wanted you know the funds that were just sitting over there, and so that was our leverage to get a deal. and And I think one of the saddest things is. We've now, because of Trump being short-sighted, I believe, in, in, in just saying that the deal needed to be canceled, we have now given them their money and not gotten anything out of it um, because he decided to play politics with the deal and say that it was a bad idea because Obama did it. Um, that, that, you know, that was a big piece of leverage that got that deal done that kept Iran... Not a nuclear power for 25 to 30 years, so we can kind of kick the can down the road and everybody figures out what's going on in this new world. Um, and now we're here in this crisis. And that's really what, you know, kind of got us there. We were going to have a better, a lot better relationship with Iran, whether we wanted to, you know, whether some hawks wanted to or not. But <clears throat> um, they were happy and we were happy and we were going to move on. And it was probably going to be the next generation that had to deal with whether there was a nuclear weapon or whether they wanted one or who knows. Um, and now we're here. So again, you know, I know the blame from Trump keeps getting pushed back to Obama, but it, it just doesn't fly in the face of the facts um, as far as I see them. Or, as, as you know, I mean, I know there's alternative facts and facts. These are not alternative. These are just the facts, and it's just the way that it is. Um, so, you know, right. this has all been created. Um, you know, by just bad policy.
1: Right. Even some hawks who initially five, six years ago didn't support the deal with Iran have said by doing this without having any kind of concrete alternative, Trump, again, has made things worse. And that deal, by the way, it wasn't just president obama doing it alone right. he was working with all of our major allies the right. brits the germans the french and oh by the way a country called russia yeah and, we took, the, involved in and we took
0: the lead on it because we had the money right again well, we had right. the leverage to we, to you we know were, to get the deal done
1: yeah but we had every major ally saying this look nobody is fooling themselves about what the iranian government is but again Either we have some control in this situation with them, or we have none, and they get a nuclear weapon. Those are pretty 2 stark choices. I think the former made more sense, imperfect as it was. Um, And, you know, this is a country, by the way, again, our, our relationship with Iran, as it is with Iraq, and many other Middle Eastern nations, just like that region itself, is a very complicated, much more diverse and, you know, Place than most people realize. And we have been, at one point, we were fighting ISIS with Iran's cooperation. When, after right after the September 11, 2001 attacks, Iran came to the U.S. and said, Look, you know, we don't like each other, but here's the deal we'll help you get bin Laden because we don't like him either. You know, and so. Maybe we can just put it aside for five minutes and work together. Now the Bush administration said no. Um, So there have been these little moments where the Iranians have said, hey, you know, we do actually have a shared interest here. Maybe we can cooperate for five minutes. Then we'll go back to hating each other. Okay. Another thing, too, I want to mention about President Bush, and might I add President Obama. Both of them were given the option of killing Soleimani, and they both yeah, they said passed. no, because they understood, even the Bush administration, and we know there was a time when it was really clamoring for war with Iran until things went sour with Iraq, um, where even the Bush administration understood that it's not worth the risk. So this, this just, again, this was, I think, an attempt by Trump, I'm sorry, to divert from impeachment. It didn't work. I, you know, I don't think it's made Iran, you know, that Iran is back down, although you could argue so have we. I, you know, just it all again because again, you have incompetency at the top, it just doesn't fully understand the consequences, nor does it think it out. And you know, so you know, let's all be grateful that for now things have calmed down. Um, we can only hope they stay that way, yeah. But uh, I, it's, so, it's hard to feel reassured at this point.
0: Well, you know, I guess that's the you know, before we move on to our next topic, I guess that's the you know, the last part of this discussion is is the stand down real? Is it true? Because, you know, there's a lot of talk out there that who knows what's going to happen or, or everything else is going to be handled kind of under the, the shadow of, of, of uh, secret ops or, or whatever, uh, you know, cyber attacks um, that other things are going to happen. And, 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 you know, whether it's, it's, it's over or not, I think, you know, remains to be seen, Um, you know, but, you know, then again, did Trump, you know, really just kind of stop going and stop pushing because um, you know, there's really no end to it and I guess that's that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, if you're if you're if you're a military planner and you're looking at the end game here, um, you know, what is it really, invading Iraq, I mean in, invading Iran? Um, you know, that mm. that, you know, that doesn't look good to anybody. Uh, you know, I'm sure of that. Um, you know, it, it Especially when there's no real impetus for it, um, you know. You know, my son's studying um, uh, World War One in school right now, and you know, wow. were, we we're looking at the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. You know, I was kind of helping him, mm. with, you know, with that the other night. And and you know, you can't help but think about you know how assassinations can cause bad things. Um, you know, but obviously a very different time now, and in, in, in 1914. But you never know what can happen. But it you look, you have to look at the end game here and you know, there really can't be a play that, that a real war between these countries does any benefit. No, number one, Iran never wants to go there because as powerful as they are, you know, the U S has a nuclear weapon and they don't, um, they have weapon, you know, the United States has weapons that Iran doesn't, um, in a, in a, in a conventional war they lose. Um, but what we lose is, 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 is great too. Um, And, you know, whether we I mean, you know, lose in in the in the easy way of, hey, battles will be lost. And obviously it's a it's a, um, uh, you know, kind of occupation nightmare Um, and and one of those things where you never really win. But I'm saying, you know, a lot of people die, a lot of things destroyed, Um, you know, and, and really, you know, if you play it down, there's no real winner. And do you think that that's what Trump saw? Um, or is it something else? And, and, you know, but again, we have to think about what the goal is and, and that's really kind of hard to see, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Um, but do you see that there's going to be more confrontation, whether, you know, uh, silent or, or outwardly, um, over the next few months?
1: I, again, I just, it's a very good question you ask. And I, I wish I had sort of a concrete answer, um, lame as that sounds Uh, just again because you cannot trust anything the trump administration says and that's that's just that is extraordinarily bad i you know we're not talking about a normal decent presidency you know republican or democrat and we've had some republican ones that would fit into that mold um you're talking about somebody who lies constantly who was again looking for diversion is going into a reelection already very damaged um and is, is probably desperate to do anything to try to stay in office. I, I mean, I'm sorry to put it, you know, to, 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 to cut it down to that. Um, but you just, there's very little else one can think in terms of reviewing this. Um, and again, no one likes the Iranian government. They're terrible. But there are certain realities that previous administrations have come up against in dealing with them. And there are ways you know, to handle the Iranian government with an outcoming to bloodshed, especially since, just to remind people, and I know our listeners are very smart, anyone who thinks if this country invades Iran, that they have some depleted military and are going to roll over the way Iraq's forces did, they're they're seriously delusional. They don't know or understand the first thing about Iran and its military. And again, I just, it's, this is, you know, this is a very tense situation. Um, I wish we had better actors on the federal level to handle it. Uh, Congress today is voting to, in fact, the House already passed on a mostly party-line vote, although, believe it or not, Florida Florida's Matt Gates voted yes, um, and he's one of the biggest Trump cheerleaders there is, um, to limit Trump's ability to, to, in terms of military action in Iran. Now, is it going to go through the past the Senate? Unlikely. Not with Mitch McConnell in charge and not with the group of Republicans now maybe Mike Lee might vote for it, we would hope or Rand Paul and maybe Murkowski Collins or Gardner some senators well Collins and Gardner who are highly vulnerable going into this year for re-election um, it, it remains to be seen, but you know that's the best we can hope for is that Congress comes up with a plan and and some laws saying hey there's only so many things that the Trump administration could excuse me, should be able to do with Iran. And I've been saying this for a long time, John, frankly, when we have a different president and, you know, we don't know who that's going to be, but there really has to be some serious overhaul of the War Powers Act. And in terms of what a president, even one we may like, or is the most wise, rational person, but there has to be some limits on what he or she can do um, in terms of declaring war, And, you know, and, and to be fair, let's, President Obama, who in general we'd say handled foreign policy pretty well—certainly not always—he um, made his share of mistakes. But there's no question, once or twice, he violated some of those laws too. And uh, you know, unfortunately, it's one thing when you have somebody like him in office, even despite his missteps. It's another when you have somebody as reckless as Donald Trump. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and that, we've that talked about this before. A, and and you know, when it when it when when it comes to even his. Uh, um uh, you know uh national emergency powers there's a lot of powers that were given to um th- the the executive branch just always thinking well we're going to get somebody in there that's credible um that's not going to try always try to push the envelope or you know maybe corrupt um and you know I agree with you that's that should be a major part of the platform and things that people are asking of these presidential candidates. Um, you know, are you going to sign them? I know that some had. I think, uh, I know Kamala Harris had come out and said that she was going to be interested in signing all these things that would limit presidential power. Um, you know, you hope that uh, the next presidents think that same way. I, you know, couldn't I, agree with I you think, anymore.
1: I, it doesn't matter who I voted for in the past. And now how, how, no matter how much, or any of us for that matter may think he or she is a good president and we like what they're doing. We still... This unitary executive theory, it's just gone too far. And like I said, maybe we have somebody normal in there again and, uh, you know, and a Congress that's fully willing to cooperate to to start really thinking of ways to kind of streamline the kind of powers that a president has, especially when you're dealing with something that can become, dare I say it, World War III. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I'm feeling a little better that we're not at full-out war with Iran and it's. Again, let's just all hope it doesn't come to that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, there's just there's going to be a lot to be sorted out. Uh, you know, I think we haven't heard the full story of why the Trump administration even did this in the first place, nor have we heard about what really led to this horrible uh plane crash just, you know, the other day. So, um yeah. I'm sure we'll have much more to talk about regarding this terrible situation in the future.
0: Unfortunately, I happen to agree yeah. with you. Um, the last little bit, um, we just yeah. want to do a, like a public service announcement. If you get a text message that says you're being drafted, um, and being sent to Iran, um, it's Thank fake. You. It's yeah. it, it's, it's fake. Um, and you can find that link, yeah. um, to yes. the story um, identifying that, um, Let's move on to the other yeah. um, interesting uh, point of news in Washington and what also I think, um, as we had mentioned, some people are saying um, the killing of Soleimani and the and the uh, issues with Iran um, were the wag the dog to get people to not pay attention to impeachment and. Um, But impeachment is still there. Uh, The House, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has not, still hasn't sent it over to the Senate. Um, Still trying to get concessions and witnesses. Um, Seems like some Democrats are just saying, hey, let's just get this started. Um, And then, um, you know, John Bolton said um, earlier this week, um, if the Senate subpoenas me, I will show up. Um, kind of dropped a, a bomb was a lightning bolt I think into the whole impeachment talk um you know it does seem like the witnesses showing up in into this um, if bolton shows up just having him you know address the the whole drug deal thing um you know kind of ratchets this up a little bit more and you know to me impeachment even seems more likely at this point Are you seeing it? I mean, I mean, mean, actually, I guess um, him being found guilty and being removed seems more likely. I mean,
1: he's technically impeached. I mean, that happened on the 18th. And and just an observation, John, you and I have been doing this podcast for what, about three and a half years now. Somewhere. Remember in the beginning, two years ago, three years ago, oh, Trump will never face any consequences for anything. They're never going to do anything. And I said, you know, it's a little premature to say that. And I said, if the Senate, if one of the, if both houses of Congress go Democratic in 2018, um, don't be so sure that Trump won't be impeached. And, you know, we talked the last before we did the podcast in the fall and we talked about, you know, without trading too much previous ground, the Mueller report, Mueller's testimony, it not really making the impact that some thought it was going to the testimony of him on August 24th, and then the very next day, Trump makes a phone call. Well, the rest is history. Um, You know, I I just wanna say an observation about all of this. Number one, Trump did this to himself. you know, I I think frankly, he could have skated on through had he just not called the leader of Ukraine on that fateful day. Um, But also, make no mistake, when Americans showed up and voted in record numbers in 2018, the over, and especially when they gave the House back to the Democrats, the message was, we may not like everything you do or believe in, but we want the brakes put on what Trump's doing. We want him held accountable. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, for all the kind of the grumbling people do about Nancy Pelosi, and I, I certainly have my issues with her, she at the end of the day has been almost i you know, I want to kind of not get into hyperbole, but pretty masterful on all of this, you know, and frankly, you know her, she's not going to bring anything to the floor unless she knows the votes there. So when she finally, you know, decided to go public and say, we're going to start the impeachment process, we have no choice. She knew that there were enough people in the house to say, you know, this guy's broken the law. It's pretty clear now. Um, so, and and what's interesting is this sort of kind of game of chicken, she's been playing with McConnell. Because um, you saw right after Trump was impeached on the 18th, McConnell and others come out and say, well, we're not doing anything, and we're going to work with the, the Trump administration all the way. Now, it's funny, John, I don't, recall, I don't recall any of the Senate saying in 1999, we're going to work with the Clinton administration at all. I think they said, no, we're going to follow the formal rules on this. We're going to have a trial. I just so i frankly, I think
0: McConnell, who yeah, well, you know supposedly you know, it was a little bit more under the under the table where they were you know going to you know let certain things you know be told they were going to share some things with the administration, um, but it is that I think it's that public declaration, it's that even greater effusiveness and praise to Trump and saying he's innocent before he's ever tried, that's publicly done. Um, but again, this is a totally different issue. We're talking about somebody who is, was using the force of the United States government to try to get Americans investigated by a foreign country, um, not, not a guy, you know, lying about getting a blowjob. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's and, and you know, I, I think that's why it has to be seen as differently. Um, you know, I mean. Hell, you know, just take credit when you get the blowjob. You know, I mean, if you know, if we can learn about anything, um, <laughs> you know, completely tongue in cheek there, but but well, I, but, but, not, but but what when yeah, you're I'm the not president, the two per se. You know, I mean, and you know, and and I think trying to really, you know, put some sort of, uh, uh, you know, to equate the Clinton impeachment with the Trump impeachment, um, you know, I think it lessens um, the point on how serious what. Um, what Trump did compared to what Clinton did and and maybe you don't say well we'll see if we need witnesses later because they you know the Democrats had basically decided we're not going to impeach Bill Clinton because he lied about getting a blowjob but here this is not a personal act and and for, and to have anybody kind of understand that you're going to say that no matter what he did to get another country to investigate an American citizen, whether it's a, you know, it makes it even worse when it's a political opponent. I mean, in my mind, um, you know, it's bad enough if you would do it just to some guy he doesn't like. Um, it ratchets it up when he's trying to influence the American political process, um, you know, in, in 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 my view. And so, that you know, I just want to see the all all of the equating these two um, to being the same sort of thing and even the take that the majority is is, or the stance the majority is taking should be different. And maybe, you know, this time you should come up with the idea that witnesses are going to be there. But at the same time, I don't see any way that even if the agreement is, well, we'll talk about it later, I don't see any way that we get to the end of it without 50 one senator saying, I want to see some witnesses, and John Bolton's probably number one, especially because he's already said he'd come out and do it, um, then we might see Mulvaney and others. Um, I just think it happens, and we're going to see a trial in the Senate whether McConnell wants it or not.
1: Right. And, and again, the, my argument I've been making is the same one I was making during the impeachment hearings and before the House voted. Again, if the Trump, if Trump is innocent, then by all means, why aren't all of the people who are claiming he's innocent and claim to have been there with him when he did nothing wrong, why aren't they testifying? Why don't they, you know, why didn't John Bolton, who I, you know, I I think, frankly, John Bolton's motives are, shall we say, questionable, um, even though, yes, he does deserve credit for getting the hell out of that situation when he could, because he knew what was going on with Trump and Ukraine. But at the same time, you know, they, they could very well really help Trump if they wanted to, right? So why doesn't Trump want them to testify? It just, that's another reason why Americans, I think in general, were more supportive of Trump being impeached and even removed from office because he just, he's such a bad actor on this that they, again, it it goes back to credibility. It goes back to trustworthiness. Um, And most people don't believe Trump on this at all. Uh, So I just, I'm kind of actually sort of surprised frankly, at how McConnell's handled this, because it, it really at first backfired. Now, I know today there's more of a sort of a mainstream media pundit narrative going on. Well, why isn't Pelosi just finally give him the, you know, the articles of impeachment to start the trial? There's now starting to be a little more pressure, uh, mm-hmm. you know, ratcheted up on her. But I think in the beginning, it was understandable why Pelosi wasn't going to hand them over. You know, her basically, she said, I mean, you know, McConnell, if they're not going to handle this trial by the process that it should be handled and they're not going to be fair and they're going to be running interference for Trump, why should we be in a hurry to give this to them? Um, you know, I, and again, I just it, it, I, I hearken back to all that far away period in our country when you had another president impeached and there were certainly no senators jumping up and down to uh, try to save him, mm-hmm. uh, more or less. Now, you know, Clinton was acquitted. But still, you know, they had a full-on trial. William Rehnquist, the late Supreme Court Chief Justice, was there. And and I suspect John Roberts, you know, I'm sure probably wouldn't tolerate a lot of nonsense either. Um, Because I've insisted that, you know, Roberts still wants to have a legitimate legacy when he does retire from the court. And looking like a Trump toady, I don't think would be part of that. It's not to say he hasn't ruled with the Trump administration or in their favor. He has on more than one occasion. But... So I, you know, I just, there's so many things up in the air with this. um, It it just, it's, it's going to be, speaking of sort of adversaries blinking, it's going to be interesting to see who blinks first. Now, so far, Pelosi's pretty much stood her ground, um, but it's, you know, if there's more, there more pressure being brought on her to give them over the articles, I I don't know how she may finally respond to that. Although I just – I don't think McConnell's done himself any favors. And again, let's just remind people, Mitch McConnell's wife is in Trump's cabinet. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, he shouldn't even be involved in this at all. Um, now, there's a report just – a an update. CNN saying Pelosi said she's going to send the impeachment articles when she's ready. Yeah, um, and you know, although I mean –
0: you were talking about i you know nancy pelosi's actions here um really what she has done and i think this delay has been part of that masterstroke and
1: mm-hmm. because what it did yeah.
0: was uh it just allows it to simmer in the public consciousness that these things need to happen um and there's it, – it, it didn't go away because it can't go away. It, it ends up that you're able to make that argument over and over and over again. And the more you make an argument that we don't need to hear anything, it's over, um, I think the the, sh- the shallower it sounds. And, you know, I think that's just the general approach is that we really want to make sure that it can't get swept under the rug. And I think that, um, that, that that's why I was so um, – I guess, uh, smart to do. And I know that it probably wasn't her, you know, idea to begin with. I I think there was, you know, Lawrence tribe had been arguing that for a while who knows where it originally came from, but the idea to take that approach, I think, um, not just on legal grounds, um, and, and, but just in the court of public opinion, what it sets out and what it keeps arguing is that we need to hear from people. Um, and it got Bolton to finally say that he would do it. Um, Um, it's, it's just gets people to kind of talk about the, you know, the idea. So that when we get to these points that even if there's not an agreement that, that X, Y, and Z are going to testify, when you get to the point that someone makes a motion on the Senate floor to have these witnesses come in, it, it becomes that issue that people are saying, well, why not? You know, and, and I don't think it's, it's hard for people to vote against it, um, at that point in time. And. You know, I think the House managers, whoever they are, probably led by Schiff, uh, Adam Schiff from California, I think it's going to be pretty easy for them to get at least 51 votes to bring these people in. I just see that it's going to be happening. I don't necessarily think that that would have happened the day after impeachment. Um, And so that's why I just think it was a great move.
1: Oh, yeah. No, again, Pelosi, again, we've seen in the last two years with her, for all the kind of talk about her being too mousy and too... Too hesitated, who had a step with where Democrats are. she's She's been, you know, she's been uh, underestimated, for sure. And, uh, you know, from calling Trump's bluff on the government shutdown to, of course, when he was finally impeached. And if you, you, one other moment I want to mention, when that vote was finalized that night, December 18th, they, you know, she called the roll and that it was in favor of impeachment, banged her gavel, and then some people started cheering you saw her give that look look and everybody shut up. You know, she understands the optics of this, even though Trump is just not a good person. And most people have no sympathy for him. This is still really nothing to cheer because we're we're just talking about a constitutional crisis that, you know, doesn't help our country in any way, although it is one of Trump's own making. So she's, she has handled this pretty well. Now, You know, will there come a point where she might make a wrong call? Sure. But so far, again, she has really been calling the Republicans bluff. And another thing, back to polls, most Americans want a fair trial. They want witnesses called. They're not down with what the GOP is doing here. And I'm not saying every Republican's doing this. Um, But so it's, again, just this idea. I want to reiterate this, and I've said it more than once on this podcast, that this was going to make Trump more popular and make people feel sorry for him. It has not done that. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I, you know, at all. Oh, I agree. And the last point I want to make is that, you know, for everyone who says, hey, why didn't the house do this? Well, they couldn't get these people to show up and they would have had to take them to the courts. Precisely. And the argument that Jonathan Turley made when they had the professors come was that, well, you should go through the courts and do it. Well, I think the argument that the uh, house Democrats were making is, well, we need to do this sooner than eight months. Um, And, once it gets to impeachment no one's going to um uh turn down a impeachment uh trial subpoena number 1 because number 2 any court will just just com- actually compel you to show up to that hearing and i think that's the, some of the calculation that bolton has there's no really getting out of that at that point in time they will they will have somebody come and take you and bring you down there um, and yeah. it's the way I think the judicial branch sees impeachment compared to hearing when you're in the trial, um, they would force these people to show up. And, and, and I think that's the difference is w- during, uh, Clinton, you had these people, um, uh, testifying or talking to the special prosecutor, um, and they wouldn't talk to the house, um, um, uh, when they were investigating, so, you know, it is a totally different thing. It's kind of that circular, um, ill-formed logic that the Republicans are currently um, engaged in and have to be in order to support Trump. Um, but it just doesn't hold water. And, and you know, the uh, you have to get it in the Senate trial. And, and you're going to get it, and it's going to be there. And these people don't, don't have anything to do about it. And I think, you know, here we are. It, it's going to be a very interesting February.
1: Oh, yeah. So putting it mildly, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, twenty twenty has definitely started out on a, a, a pretty uh well, what's even the right word you can describe it. Interesting.
0: Roller coaster. No, I do Roller coaster, uh theme park adventure, scary uh theme park adventure. Um
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's go on to our last yeah. point,
0: just kind of our grab bag uh here. Um I was uh, I kind of threw out the whole uh Ricky Gervais thing just because it became political um it 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 seemed like you know he was just out there doing jokes ripping on everybody and anybody um but it seemed like the right really jumped on it because it was Hollywood bashing um I don't know how much of it he really means because it seems like you know it's hypocritical in in a a bunch of different ways I don't think he was trying to make a political point point I think he was just trying to to uh you know get to the soft underbelly um you know like comics do like uh these stand up philosophers that we have nowadays as 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 stand up comedians do um yeah he was ripping on the hollywood elite um but that's who his audience was he was doing a uh, golden globes presentation um but it seems like you know more distraction more just beating on people and saying Um, you know, Hollywood's full of leftist liberals, um, which, you know, I mean, you know, it's one of those old arguments, um, and, and it just seemed hollow, but it's very interesting that the right jumps upon Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes. Um, and it becomes a political story. Um, I don't know, Karen, what, 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 what did you think of it?
1: Uh, I I mean, I watched the Golden Globes and I, I thought Gervais in general was pretty funny. And yeah, he did, you know, he he, he had some stingers, and, you know, especially when it comes to the whole Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, when you, you have to wonder, John, I suspect a lot more of these people knew about what Weinstein was doing, despicable as it is and was, and they didn't stop him. Nobody did anything. Um, I'm not saying every celebrity knew or anything like that, and I applaud certainly those actresses or actors who have come forward at great cost to their career, to expose him and others, predators. Uh, you know, um, I, but I do. And again, I think Gervais is, is brilliant. He's funny. Uh, he's not wrong on certain issues when it comes to the Hollywood elite. And I'm not just talking about the politics, but obviously, it's obviously it's the lavish lifestyle many of them lead. And I, look, I am one of those people that think if you're an actor who's giving everything you've got, you are working. That is not an easy job to do. It really isn't um, now you can argue about some of the money these people are paid or whatever. Well, you know, uh, that's, that's the free market and that's what the public will pay for. And the whole studio system, et cetera, so forth. That being said, you know, some of them who may talk about social issues, well, I would say respectfully, well, you know, I appreciate their voice, but how much of that, how much of the walk are they walking? Um, and again, I, I am not one of these people who thinks one person's going to solve a massive problem like, you know, we haven't talked about it, you know, the Australian fires or God forbid what's happening in the Amazon or other horrible environmental, uh, you know, things that are are taking place. It's, It's a matter of all of us as humans, no matter where we are politically or what have you, making changes in our life that are a little easier on Mother Earth, just little things. It doesn't have to be I stopped driving a car. You know, at the same time, you know, if, if conservative celebrities like John Voight, Ted Nugent, you know, et cetera, so forth, who've gone to the White House and genuflected around Trump, if they have a right to have a platform, so do people on the left. You know, you can agree with it or not agree with it. You know, if you don't like what Leonardo DiCaprio is doing, don't go to his movies. Don't follow him on Instagram or whatever. Um, if you don't, you know, same with John Voight. Don't don't pay any attention to him and don't patronize his You know, don't patronize his shows, even though he's a great actor, but, you know, he's kind of gone off into wing that territory. Okay, that's his, you know, he has a First Amendment right to do that. Um, I do, you know, I I do think it's interesting some of the comments he made about Felicity Huffman. Uh, You know, because, again, Felicity Huffman, who I think, unlike Lori Laughlin, did show some character, if dare I say it, by acknowledging, yes, what I did was wrong in this whole USC cheating scandal and I'm prepared to be punished for it. Now she did virtually no time in jail, but she did do some, Um, you know, and she's out now. I mean, whether or not her career really suffers is, you know, remains to be seen. Um, But he, you know, he was right to kind of call her out saying, you know, she's not a victim here, you know, don't, don't make her out to be that any more than any of these people, including the non-celebrities who were got, you know, were accused of, of cheating and, and paying brides. Um, I, I think, look, Gervais, Gervais makes some good points, but at the same time, everyone has a right to speak. Now, you would hope certainly for some of those with great wealth, and, and to their credit, some have. You've seen stories in the past where lots of celebrities gave considerable amounts of money to the Hurricane Katrina victims. Uh, you've had a lot of Australian celebrities, especially donating money and urging everybody to please help um what you know you know the australians right now because what's happening in that country is it's just it's a calamity um never mind how many poor animals have suffered uh so i i mean look celebrity can be a force for good um but there's a fine line any of those entertainers walk so and i think some just do it better than others mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I just saw it as a act. Um, you know, he, again, I didn't see him trying to make a political statement. Um, I think, uh, especially the, uh, right wing media like to jump on it and, and made it a political thing where it was just another, it was just another performance. And, um, yeah, you know, some people don't like it, but you know, it's those people that are, are, are very, um, I think sensitive these days it'll always kind of register but it wouldn't have been such a political story or been the um kind of that that piling on the Hollywood elite kind of stuff that the uh right wing really got kind of grabbed with the Gervais speech that I just thought was interesting um you know you can't say anything now or else it becomes this aha moment it's like they're all jokes and then but it, but it's deadly serious for the right um that you know it's true Fi- finally somebody says it um, you know, Ricky Gervais is, is a, is a, an, a, you know, rich millionaire hangs out with Jay-Z and, and, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, uh, trying to say that he's an adequate social commentator on uh, the Hollywood elite, I think is like, you know, saying a guy who works in produce knows nothing about watermelons. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I don't look to a Ricky Gervais for, uh, <laughs> you know, grand political wisdom, and I'm not saying he's a stupid man. He's clearly not. Um, again, it's, it's, I, you know, I, I think it's somewhat he's insulting, an insult comic. because of the,
0: well, no, I was just saying he's an insult comic, and he was insulting the I, audience. You know, it's the way exactly. it is,
1: and and sometimes they deserve it. I, I think it's, you know, it's always unfair. I think sometimes some. In certain pundits, give celebrities too much credit. I don't think anybody votes a certain way because oh, even Oprah Winfrey came out. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think most people voted for Barack Obama, for example, because Oprah Winfrey was one of the earlier big media figures. Uh, you know, she's more than just a celebrity. Obviously, she's an empire onto her yeah, own. she's an icon. Uh, I don't sure. think that you know, you know, a beloved figure. But it, you know, I don't think most people voted for President Obama for that anymore than most people would have voted for Donald Trump because John Boyd endorsed him. I, you know, I just, it's a much more complicated situation than that.
0: Hey, well, Karen, you know, thanks again for the political discussion. We're, you know, probably bumping up to our end time here today Um, you know we took about a month off I guess um, not really um, wanting to necessarily but we had some website and database issues here so thanks everybody for coming back and listening to our podcast, Karen. Thanks for again, for joining me here in 2020. We hope for a lot of, a very easy 2020 and everything gets better. Always wishing it personally to you as well as professionally. But thanks again for joining me, Karen. Thank
1: you, John. And thank you so much to all the listeners. And I wish every one of them a very happy, healthy 2020. And may it truly be a better year for our nation and world. And let's hope, um, you know, Australia sees better days, especially.
0: Surely. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk at you next time.
1: Bye-bye.